You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And Chris, we are here to preview Monday Night Football with the 2-0 New York Giants squaring up against the 1-1 Dallas Cowboys, Sands, Dak Prescott. But a lot of players are returning for the Cowboys, or some are, possibly Michael Gallup. Maybe Jason Peters. Giants might be getting Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari back. Giants have a realistic shot to win this football game. I wouldn't chalk it up as a guarantee. You never can in the NFL. But Chris, how are you feeling about this matchup, bro? It's exciting times here. Yeah, th- this has the potential to be one hell of a football game. Yeah, there are so many different factors and storylines to keep track of between these two teams. I it's just wild to me to think that we could see Jason Peters suiting up for the Dallas Cowboys. I, Giants just can't get away from this guy. No, they can't. For those who don't know, Jason Peters was the longtime left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, won a Super Bowl there. The guy is 40 years old. 40 years old. I'm not lying. And the last time he played, I believe, was with the Chicago Bears last season. It didn't look all that pretty. I am curious to see if Dallas will put him at left tackle or Tyler Smith their first round pick out of Tulsa is playing and Tyler Smith projected to the NFL, Chris, as a guard because he's not technically refined, but he, from the tape I've watched and from the advanced analytics I've seen has played very well through his first two games in the national football league, anchoring down on the left side against the Cincinnati Bengals and against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two opponents with solid defensive fronts. Yeah, he has done surprisingly well, honestly, I, I thought when Tyron Smith went down and Tyler Smith got to speak slowly when you get those two names back to back, because there's the there's the potential there for a t- for a tongue twister. But you know when Tyler Smith was elevated to that starting left tackle role, I thought that was going to be a disaster, and it really hasn't. Yeah, you know, watching Smith on tape in college, he was a brawler. He just looked to beat guys up, sometimes literally out there. He he had almost no technique and just relied on being bigger, stronger, meaner, and more athletic than whoever he was going against. And he has played honestly shockingly well out there for Dallas, which is frustrating. And he was the 16th player ranked on Jerry Jones's board. And we know that because The owner that never stops giving us content, Jerry Jones, showed the public the draft board of the Dallas Cowboys. And Chris, who were the number two players on that draft board? If I remember correctly, it was Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. And luckily for the New York Giants, this is what we call a segue, everybody. Luckily (laughs) for the New York Giants, it seems, it appears, it's not certain that the Giants might be receiving Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari back for this matchup. Matchup where the Giants are going to look to pressure Cooper Rush, a player who I just did a piece 
on at Big Blue View. If anybody wants to go and watch, look, he's a backup quarterback, but he's a backup quarterback who plays well within the confines of Kellen Moore's system and a backup quarterback who is not shy to throw the deep ball. He's not all that accurate all the time, but he's not shy to throw the deep ball, and I think that's important. But getting Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari back within Wink Martindale's system is just one of the many subplots of this Dallas Cowboy-New York Giant rivalry in week three that I'm really looking forward to. I'm wondering how many snaps they're going to get, and I'm wondering how this is going to change the structure of this defense, especially without Leonard Williams, who would more than likely miss this game. Yeah, Leonard Williams, we found out eventually his his leg that has him day-to-day is a sprained MCL, so certainly better than the alternatives when you get a defensive lineman rolled up on by an offensive lineman like what happened to him and he immediately leaves the game that's rarely good but sprained mcl that's something he should be able to come back from relatively quickly but i personally would be surprised to see him out there on monday night just because he's a big dude and he's going to be he's going to have to hold up against against big dudes and you kind of need two knees two structurally sound knees to do that but yeah who this who's in who's out it's going to be something we're going to have to follow because right now it looks like in addition to not having Leonard Williams the Giants offense could be without Wandale Robinson who got hurt uh Canarius Tony was listed as a did not practice in today's or a projected did not practice in today's walkthrough practice Giants still have one more practice to go we'll see what happens but they could be without Tony and Robinson. We don't know what's going on with Kenny Galladay. Meanwhile, on the Dallas side, they could be getting Jason Peters for the first time. We'll see. We'll have to see what happens there with their offensive line, how, the, how that gets structured. They could be getting Michael Gallup back healthy, which that has a whole, that has a ton of schematic implications for both teams. And Micah Parsons had a sickness, illness scare, but the Cowboys anticipate having him back healthy for the game. So this is, there are a lot of moving parts and all of them are important. And I want to focus on the Giants defensive front to start here, Chris. Without Leonard Williams and with the return of Ojolari and Thibodeau, possibly, we don't know how many snaps they'll play. But one player on this Giants defense that has played phenomenally, I would say, especially given the expectations for him, has been Jahad Ward. And he's been a pivotal and a critical part of the run defense, specifically on the edge to the strong side. I'm wondering, though, if they can a lot the snaps to Ojolari or Kayvon Thibodeau, and those guys will be on the field on early downs. Do you move Jahad Ward inside a little bit? Maybe not on early downs, but on those second and sevens, those second and six types of situations to give yourself a little bit more pass rushing juice and to just keep your best players out on the football field because there is no Leonard Williams now. And I'm wondering if they do that when they roll out tight fronts or just three down defensive linemen, which isn't something they do all that often. They did against Tennessee, not as much against Carolina. But I am curious to see if Jahad Ward gets kicked inside and still stays out there because he has just earned those snaps to this point because Leonard Williams is not there. Yeah, I think that's something we could see. Uh, Jahad Ward, he is smaller than Leonard Williams, but not by much. There's... There's only about 10 pounds difference between their listed weight, and they're about the same height. 
so I think we could see Ward moved inside, quote unquote, inside, you know, whatever that means in Wink Martindale's defense with as multiple as he is. I think we could also see some more of Nick Williams out there. He, he has been another player who's you know unheralded, but he's flashed when he has been on the field. I'm very curious to see what what Martindale does with the structure of this defense. Because you know, the thing we talked about on our film review from week two is how he kind of min-maxed his defense size-wise with a really big defensive front and then leaned into dime personnel and used a ton of defensive backs to try to get as much speed on the field as he could. And if the Cowboys are getting Michael Gallup back, but losing tight end Dalton Schultz, will they use more 11 personnel, maybe even 10 personnel out there? And what, what effect would that have on the Giants defense with the personnel packages they bring out? And I think the Giants want to go small, right? Because let's look at the Giants defense here, Chris. The position group that you're most scared to have out on the football field a lot is the linebackers. Last week, we saw Austin Calitro and Michael McFadden, a collective 12 snaps. That's the second and third linebacker, but they rotate in and out. You saw Tay Crowder play, I think, like 48 snaps. You want one linebacker out there on the football field, right? But without Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys have two tight ends on their roster. Both rookies, Pendershot and Jake Ferguson, who's a talented one from Wisconsin, but still rookies. I don't know how they're going to be able to block as well, which could lead to more spread type of concepts, maybe two running back type concepts using Tony Pollard as a receiver because we don't know how many snaps Michael Gallup will play. I don't know how comfortable the Dallas Cowboys are playing him a full allotment of snaps. But what that allows the Giants to do to match personnel is do what they did against the Carolina Panthers for much of the game. Use three safety looks, use dime. Use some dollar if you want to. Maybe even four safeties if you want to get really creative <laughs> with Tony Jefferson. Match speed with speed. But I don't know how, I don't know if that's going to happen early or maybe even on early downs as much because I think the Giants need to be focused with a backup quarterback in place. They need to be focused on shutting down that rushing attack. And the X factor on offense for me, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, and we saw it last week against the Cincinnati Bengals on a long touchdown. I think it was a, technically a pass, but a long touchdown by Tony Pollard, which was basically just a little flip. You have to stop Tony Pollard. You have to stop him. They stopped Christian McCaffrey. Dontrell Hilliard torched this team in week one for two touchdowns. I don't think Wink Martindale wants those linebackers out there, Chris. I think we're going to see more safeties. And I think the Giants' safeties, Julian Love, Dave Belton, Tony Jefferson, Xavier McKinney, are good enough as run defenders where they're not going to be liabilities. So I think the, the personnel matching between the Cowboys and Giants are one of the things that I'm definitely going to be paying close attention to on Monday. And I think the loss of Dalton Schultz could work in the favor of the Giants. Oh, yeah. Well, for the Giants, anytime a good tight end is off the field, that works in their favor. Not but, even just not even just because he's a good tight end, just because I don't know if they're going to be comfortable enough to roll out that 12 personnel package as much as they did, which will allow the Giants to use multiple safeties. Yeah, that how how Kellen Moore deals with the loss of Dalton Schultz and how he he the chess match between he and Wink Martindale just from a pure football perspective, that is going to be absolutely fascinating because these really are two of the best 
at their jobs and two of the most creative play callers in the NFL right now. You know, the Cowboys, the first two games of this season accepted because you don't plan on losing your left tackle and your starting quarterback and your number two receiver all basically all at once. When Kellen Moore has his pieces, they know how to do offense. And then we have seen what Wink Martindale can do and how he schemes up pressure. And if the Giants can slow down or shut down Tony Pollard, you, you know we are going to see Martindale get hyper-aggressive against Cooper Rush. Yes, and another injury they've suffered is Connor McGovern, who was their starting guard on the left side next to Tyler Smith. And I think that could have a huge impact. You're going to see Dexter Lawrence aligned on Matt Farnook if they do not keep Tyler Smith at left tackle. If, if Tyler Smith goes to left guard, that will probably really help solidify their offensive line. It's still not as good as Dallas Cowboys offensive line of the past, but it's still a, a solid unit overall. And you're right, man. I am excited about this. This just chess match between the offense and the defense. And I think the Giants defense, like any defense, they want to get this offense into third and long, third and five, third and six, third and seven, you know, third and even manageable. And then bring the pressure that they used against Baker Mayfield and disguise their coverages, roll their safeties, manipulate the protection of Dallas and just keep Cooper Rush's internal clock awry, you know, don't allow him to establish a rhythm. I actually think, especially in quick game, he does a solid job once he can establish a rhythm. And I saw that through both of his starts against Minnesota and the Cincinnati Bengals. But if you can mess that up, if you can even build in some trap coverages, allow him to think that receiver is going to come open, drop a linebacker or Julian Love who's sugaring the A-gap pre-snap underneath that number two slant, maybe he can come away with a turnover. So Giants, they can, from a Wink Martindale perspective, they can definitely exploit Cooper Rush. But he's not as inept as backup quarterbacks like Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that that's a pretty low bar to pass over. Definitely is. But let's transition, Chris, to Dallas's defense. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little scared of these guys, specifically one Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, it's unfortunate because the Giants had an opportunity to draft this individual. But he legit, I think at the end of the season, and maybe even right now, you can make an argument that he is one of the best defensive players in the league. And this kid is in his early 20s in his second season, who was a middle linebacker in college and then kind of because of injuries, Dan Quinn was like, yeah, let's have him try out the edge. And he was phenomenal at it. This dude has insane bend, insane explosiveness, knows how to use his hands, has pass rushing moves, and he's raw to the position still. So I'm really concerned about Micah Parsons and how Dan Quinn is going to employ him specifically against Evan Neal, who I felt like had a down game in Tennessee. I'm not jumping ship on Evan Neal or anything like that. But that is one thing I'm circling on defense and saying, if you want to have success on offense, Mike Kafka, you need to stop 11. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, absolutely. And Parsons isn't exactly new to to the edge position. He did play as a defensive end, outside linebacker, edge, at Penn State before transitioning to off-ball linebacker. But it has been a while since he's played the position full-time. And he isn't exactly a full-time edge for Dallas, although he's been doing a lot more of that this year. He is still fully capable of dropping off, playing in space, and putting that athleticism to use as an off-ball linebacker. But yeah, you said he has just a scary toolbox to use out there. Yeah. Talking about a guy who's six foot three, two hundred forty five pounds, and runs a four three forty, that is, that is just absurd athletic tools. And like you say, he knows how to use them. He has good pass rush moves. He knows how to bend, and he can win outside. He can spin move or loop back inside, attack the B gap. He put Lyle Collins in a blender against the Cincinnati Bengals, and Collins is a good tackle. You know, the Giants have struggled against him for years. And Micah Parsons has the ability to make NFL football look easy. And he also can be absolutely relentless in his pursuit. That is a scary combination, especially when you do have a rookie tackle out there. You know, I'm with you. I am not out on Evan Neal at all, but he is a rookie tackle and he's going up against some very good, very athletic edge rushers this year especially with Brian Burns. I think the Giants got a little lucky with Harold Landry tearing his ACL and now Micah Parsons and Micah Parsons is the early favorite for defensive player of the year. And we could see why too. He has 56 snaps so far as the left outside linebacker and 39 as the right outside linebacker on in passing situations. Dan Quinn is saying, all right, Micah, you're you're going to be an edge rusher. And you're right, though. He can drop. He can do really anything you ask him to do. If you want him to carry a number three receiver up the field, he can do that, man. He's that good. And so far this season, he already has 13 pressures and four sacks. And that's according to Pro Football Focus. They don't count half sacks, so maybe it's three and a half. Either way, he knows how to get after the quarterback. And he did so phenomenally against Cincinnati. I mean, Eight pressures against the Cincinnati Bengals. It's it's something I'm concerned about. I think Demarcus Lawrence, he's somebody who's traditionally given the Giants complete fits. You go back to Andrew Thomas's rookie season. I think Demarcus Lawrence and was Randy Gregory playing in that game? It might have been Robert Quinn or, or some other guy who was on the Dallas Cowboys at some point. They each had like a collective like 16 pressures or something in that game. So this defensive front, it's it's not a huge strength if you don't include Micah Parsons in there. I think Demarcus Lawrence is a very good player. I think Osa Odegizua, who is a second-year defensive tackle, is, is a solid 
player. Quinton Bohannon is, is a good big guy who can occupy space. But once you factor Micah Parsons in there as the pa- as a pass rusher, it gets really, really scary. But these other linebackers, Anthony Barr, a little bit long in the tooth at this point. Leighton Van Der Esch never really lived up to his first round hype after a solid rookie season back in 2018. What are you, What's your overall assessment on the front seven without Micah Parsons? Without Micah Parsons, I'd say the the Dallas front seven is good, but not great. But with Micah Parsons, the the amount of attention he commands and the way he is able to win despite all of that attention, that is really kind of a force multiplier out there. Like if you have to devote two blockers and a chip to slow down Micah Parsons, that's basically two and a half blocks that aren't going to Demarcus Lawrence or Dorrance Armstrong or Barr or Van Der Esch if they blitz or you know, Odigazua or Neville Gallimore coming up through the middle. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I do I do want to pay attention to those defensive tackles, just given what we have seen with the Giants' interior offensive line. John Feliciano will probably be playing, but he is listed as limited with a shin injury. Yeah, I, I don't know if he has shin splints or if, he, if somebody kicked him and he <laughs> and he's bruised or what. But you know, we have seen him get put on skates at times, and the left guard position has been a bit of a concern for the Giants. And Oso Digazua, Neville Gallimore, those are two guys with great natural leverage let's just say we'll we'll put it that way they're they're low to the ground and they are explosively powerful as penetrators so if the giants have to slide protection parsons way that could open things up for pressure through the a and b gaps which is definitely of high concern right because that's what Kafka's going to do. Kafka's going to use tight ends. He's going to use Saquon Barkley or Matt Breida or whoever who leaks out to help chip Micah Parsons if Micah Parsons becomes a problem early in this game, which he realistically could. little update just from Cowboys practice. Dalton Schultz was not participating, but he did do some movement and ball skill work on the side. Also out, did not practice. This is on Friday. Dak Prescott, Micah Parsons, Connor McGovern, and Jerron Curse, who we'll get into here in a little bit. Now, remember, it's Friday's practice. It's not a Sunday game, though, so you got to treat it as a Thursday practice. If Parsons doesn't, if these guys don't practice on Saturday, that's when it starts to become an issue, albeit I think if Parsons even doesn't practice on Saturday, if he's feeling better on Monday, they're going to, you know, obviously still play him because he's such a big difference maker. But I want to say, man, with these safeties, Jerron Curse being out is low key a big deal because he's a big part of what Dan Quinn wants to do here in Dallas with defense. And he was a huge addition for Dan Quinn played great last season. And if you go back to Dan Quinn's defenses, even back in Seattle, back in Atlanta, he always has one star safety who will come down. And by star, I mean like the star position play like big linebacker man up on tight ends and just be an absolute difference maker in terms of run support yet have the athletic ability to carry receivers down the field, which Jerron curse has all of those things. He's a big physical dude. So him not being there could really help the giants passing attack. It could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see Malik hooker play that role. If Jer- if Jerron curse is out or even limited and forced to you know come off the field and not play the full sna- not play the full game all snaps 
Yeah, Hooker does have the size. I think he's like 6'2", 210, somewhere around there. So Hooker's he's got- just so good. Sorry, man. Hooker's oh. just so good in center field. Like, he I, is. I studied, I studied him coming out of Ohio State. It was like my first draft where I was really starting to dive into like evaluations. And I thought he was just so underrated in terms of his range. He's a former basketball player. It's just injury zapped his career. And now that he landed in Dallas, he's still freaking young, too. I think he's in like his mid-20s. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, he's somebody, man, if, if you want to, you think you have the edge on him and you want to throw deep, he can cut, he can make angles disappear very, very quickly and come away with the turnover. So the Giants have to be weary whenever he's roaming center field. Yes, he, they they definitely do, and how the how they deploy those safeties, especially if Curse is out, that's again something we're going to have to watch, especially considering how the Giants have, or rather haven't, used their passing game of late. Yeah, I I, I think the Giants want to be able to attack deep more than they have, because defensive ha- defenses have been playing downhill on the Giants. So even if they aren't playing stacked boxes, they've been rallying downhill pretty aggressively. But with Dallas's pass rush potential, I, I don't know how how much opportunity the Giants will have, especially if they don't have Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson. They're pretty much, if they're forced to rely on David Sills, Richie James, and Sterling Shepard out there as their starting receivers. You know, that there is, with the injury situations on both these teams, there's a lot we don't know, but that makes speculation very fun. It definitely makes speculation very fun. And if you look at the Giants right now, they're passing depth in terms of just air yards, so not like a catch and run type of situation. They've only targeted passes over 20 yards, 3.6% of the time. Like they're, they're not throwing the ball deep. And again, a lot of that is because the, the offense is just, it's quick hitting right now. And they're waiting, as Mike Kafka said in his press conference, for those routes to just come open. Sometimes they were there. Daniel Jones missed them. And then there are just other times where Daniel Jones overthrew the ball to, to Sterling Shepard on the double moves specifically. And then we saw Daniel Jones connect with Sterling Shepard in week one against Tennessee. I think if an opportunity presents itself, and I think the Giants will definitely use double moves against Trayvon Diggs, who we'll get into here in a little bit. They're not going to be shy to throw the deep ball. I don't think this offense is averse to throwing the deep ball, but they're just not going to force it, which I actually respect. Yeah, the, the Giants have really played within themselves. They uh, they haven't had to really press yet this year. And I think one of the biggest keys to this game is not having Dak Prescott out there. Yeah. You know, Cooper Rush is a good backup quarterback, but he's not Dak Prescott. And I, one of the things that can work most in the Giants' favor is the Dallas offense really continuing to struggle and not have traction. Because if, if the Giants can, can avoid this game turning into a shootout, that plays to their strengths. That plays to what they want to do. We haven't seen this offense show enough firepower to keep up with a high-powered offense in a shootout. They, they need to keep this game close. They need to keep it tight. And they need to keep themselves in a position where, in the fourth quarter, they only have to ask Daniel Jones to throw the ball once and just hand it off to Saquon Barkley 10 times Yeah, in the quarter, not for the game. <laughs> 
I'm sure the Giants want to stop the run and they want to run the football. And that's how you're that's how they can win this game. And when they are passing, they have to watch out for Diggs. Look, Trevon Diggs, he's a risky cornerback. I think you can bait him with double moves, but he is still a good cornerback in terms of creating turnovers. He helped shut down Jamar Chase relatively last week. It's it's one of those situations where I hope Daniel Jones doesn't see a slant or see like a flat come open and think he has the space and then he just gets baited into like a really bad turnover. This is a primetime game. Giants haven't won a primetime game since they defeated Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers in 2018. They've been terrible in primetime football for so long. And I just don't want Daniel Jones to, to make a big back-breaking mistake because the narrative is he can't win in primetime. He put the team in position to win in primetime against Washington in week two last year. And then the Kansas City game, that was a little bit of a different story, but the Giants almost pulled off that upset victory too. So, And that was in Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. So I look at the situation, man. I wish Daniel Jones and the Giants had a full complement of healthy receivers that were up to speed with the offense right now. Because I think Kadarius Toney would be the huge difference maker in this game. And I don't know what to expect from Kenny Galladay. I don't know if you can expect anything to this point from Darius Slayton. Sterling Shepard's going to be out there. He's going to be balling. He's going to be doing a Sterling Shepard thing, but he's not necessarily the explosive guy who's going to win over the top. Wondell Robinson is more than likely not going to play. I don't know if the Giants are going to have the edge in terms of wide receiver cornerback matchup. And that kind of sucks because I want to see this passing attack get going a little bit. But as long as they win the football game and they can run the football and they can dink and dunk their way down the field and maybe take shots whenever they do get the opportunity and then they get in the red zone and they run the plays like they did with Daniel Bellinger and Chris Myrick and they score some touchdowns, I'll be happy. But it does kind of suck right now that the Giants have one of the highest wide receiver payrolls in the National Football League, Chris, yet their wide receiver room is either decimated by injury, ineffective, can't create separation, and there are really no true explosive difference makers. It's it's a crappy situation. It really is. And I, I think part of that has played into the Giants not forcing the issue on those deep passes. And I think that does kind of have to continue this for this game just because the Cowboys are so dangerous at creating turnovers and the Giants really can't afford to give away possessions even with their defense playing well we saw Jones make that ill-advised throw that turned out to be a an interception in the first game he almost had the interception to Frankie Louvu on a again another ill-advised throw against Carolina there was another one where he forced the ball into triple coverage and that wound up falling incomplete even with all of the all the injuries and inconsistencies and everything Dallas has struggled with that make this a very winnable game for the Giants they they can't afford to be underwater in the turnover department with the potential that the Dallas offense has with Tony Pollard, with CD lamb, with Michael Gallup, if he is healthy. And of course, Ezekiel Elliott, who, who has kind of become a, almost an afterthought in this offense. Although I, I do wonder if we'll see more of those, uh, 21 personnel groupings out there. 
Yes, the 21 personnel grouping, which is two running backs, that could be an interesting thing to see because Tony Pollard has a dynamic enough skill set to win out of the slot. And you have to stop CeeDee Lamb. You're going to see him as the number three in three-by-one sets. You're going to see him as the number one on the backside. You're going to see him as the number one to the front side of three-by-ones. He's just going to be moved around a lot, and the Giants always got to circle him because he is their biggest difference maker as a wide receiver. But Chris, you have anything else? You know, I... I just want to see how the how the injury situations for these two teams shape up. Because the one guy we haven't mentioned is Aaron Robinson, who w- was listed as a projected did not practice today with the appendix. So Cordell Flock played well. But if Aaron Robinson isn't out there, I, I, I kind of have to, have to assume the Giants would assign Adoree Jackson to shadow C.D. Lamb. That could potentially match Cordell Flott up against Michael Gallup. And Gallup is a, he is an, an important, an underrated but important part of this passing attack. Or it could possibly see Flott against Noah Brown, who is kind of like DJ Moore, who kind of just ran through Flott what, once he realized that was an option. There is so, there are still so many moving parts to this game and I picked the Giants to win but I could also see some some scenarios where things just kind of go sideways for them yeah and I picked the Giants to win as well and we could see Fabian Moreau start too so he's more of a veteran he's still a really good athlete we'll have to wait and see how the Giants handle that situation I'm sure it will come down to how they perform in practice like Tony Delgenio said on the Ed Valentine Valentine View show the Giants coaching staff are rather egalitarian in terms of how they allocate their snaps. So if you perform in practice, you're going to play. And we really saw that with the wide receiver position. And that's what Tony was really suggesting. I think this is going to be a sloppy, a lot of field goal type of game where the Giants, I picked them 19 to 17, but I think you're right, man. I I think it, it can easily go the other way. I don't think this is a solidified win, despite the fact that Cooper Rush is their starting quarterback. I do think, however, that the fans can have a big impact here. This whole whiteout thing, I think you, you heard Matt Rule speak about how the crowd was a big factor. you got to rattle Cooper Rush, and you got to be loud, and you got to mess with the communication and not allow this dude to hear the sidelines. Like that, that I do think can be a really contributing factor. And who would have thought MetLife Stadium, Chris, would, would be this, this place where coaches and opposing teams struggle to hear each other. It hasn't been like that in so long. Yeah, it really has been a while, but... You know, the, lately the Giants have given fans a lot more to boo about than to cheer. More recently, the Giants fans have had reason to cheer. Now, I I think if things start to really go sideways and maybe the Giants lose the composure, we could hear the boo birds start back up again. But as long as the Giants are out there, they're fighting. Martindale is throwing pressure at Cooper Rush, and the Giants are maybe stringing together some plays, converting some third downs. It's going to be loud in there. It's going to be loud and we can't wait. Thank you everybody for joining the Chris and Nick show here on big blue view radio. Please leave a comment, subscribe, rate and review. It helps us move on up the algorithm and also head on over to bigblueview.com. That is where all of our written content is. And we are constantly putting stories out there for everybody to enjoy. Thank you. Take care of each other. Let's go Giants and have a lovely weekend. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.